me take a few minutes. Uh, hopefully, you won't retract this from the 30 that I get. Um, some of you know Mike McGee. He was a friend of mine. He came to the conferences with me. I think he came to two or three conferences with me. He was in an airplane crash uh, about a year and a half ago or so. And uh, he's doing well. He's in a nursing facility. But uh, God has spared him. He remembers his Savior. And I told him one day, talking with him, I said, Mike, I said, uh, even if you didn't remember that he's your Savior, he hasn't forgotten. So uh, I want to thank the church for the invite to the conference, the invitation to speak. Um, I was hesitant to bring up Brother Bergman's name, but I have to because I miss him terribly. I know that you do also. And he was so helpful to me a year and a half ago when my son was having transplant surgery. Brother Bergerman called me several times a week, if not every day. And he was an amazing comfort and help to me in that time. And uh, Brother Wayne and Mark and <laughs> all of you, uh, it's just been an amazing experience so far. I feel God is with us here today. And uh, I'm not real smart with these things. Thank you, sir. I want to go to Hebrews here. I, I don't know how what I believe the Lord has given me for you fits in with what's already been said, but I think it, 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 it's a little bit more, it draws everything in a little bit, a little bit more personal in this. We talk about apostasy, the definition of apostasy. I, pressed, I, I trust that every speaker, every preacher will give you a definition of what apostasy is. Apostasy is a defection from the truth. It's a falling away from the truth. It's a forsaking of the truth. So let's talk about the difference between what we would call backsliding and apostasy for just a moment. Pastor Arthur Stone, he was the pastor at Warboys Baptist in England and uh, the most godly man I've ever known upon the face of the earth, preached a message from Hosea where Hosea, where God said in, in Hosea, I will, I will heal their backsliding and I will love them freely. And he made the point that when a person backslides, they're still pointed in the same direction. But when you apostatize, you fall away, you have turned away. You're not facing the same direction. I think it's important to understand that when you start trying to consider, have I backslidden or am I in a state of apostasy? Because this is really serious when you start looking at yourself personally in this. The deeper meaning of apostasy is the writing of a bill of divorcement. You're writing a bill of divorce. You're denouncing as false the things that you once believed were true. I remember Pastor Ray Bennett, who was out of Finger Lakes, New York. He came down to preach for us, and he told, I told a story during a message. And you've probably heard the story before, but I'll tell it again because you're a captive audience. He talked about the, the elderly couple who was coming home from services and they're riding in their big Lincoln. The man's over there driving and the, his wife is with him. And she says to him, she says, I remember when we were young. We were dating when we were first married. You used to put your arm around me. You used to say such sweet things to me. You used to treat me so good. 
she looked over at her and he said, I haven't moved. If God is not where you think he was, he hasn't moved. You have. You have moved away from God. Are you backsliding? Or is it something worse? Is it something to be more feared? The Lord Jesus told us to remember Lot's wife. Write those words on your heart. Remember Lot's wife, because in the end times, this is the thing that's going to tear down a lot of people. They're going to want to look back, turn back, go back. The scripture doesn't tell us why life's, why Lot's wife, yeah, I'm a little nervous, why Lot's wife turns to look back. Was there something she forgot? Was there something she wanted to see? Was there something she left back there that she wanted to go get? What was the reason? We don't know. We don't know why a lot of people turn away from the truth once they know it. But the Lord says in Luke chapter 9 and verse 62 that no man, putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, we sometimes look behind us at the pit we were taken from. But what he means there is we shouldn't be looking back and longing to go back to where we came from. Not, not to go back. Brother Tommy talked about his time in Nashville. I'm going to tell you, I've been around the music business for a bunch of years, and it's a nasty business. It will eat you alive, and you will love it as a sinner. We talk about the word of God in the day of, of, of apostasy. And let's just, and you all know this, but let's just be clear. The word of God is the oracles of God. The written word of God are the oracles of God. The utterances of God is, is, as, is as that's translated. We see that in 1 Peter 4.11. The spoken word of God, the preached word of God, preached by the greatest preacher ever, the Lord Jesus, and by us. We are, as Paul says, we, God is beseeching you by us. We now are as it were, the voice of God in the world. But the real word of God is the living word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 14 says, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we need in the days of apostasy. I'm not sure who put it on your heart to make that the, the topic of this conference, but it's very much needed, very much needed at this particular time. So do we believe once saved, always saved? I didn't hear enough amens. Do we believe once saved, always saved? I guess the reason I say that is the Lord Jesus says in John chapter 10. Well, he, I'll get to that in a minute. But, but the Lord Jesus says to us, yes, that's in John chapter 10. I give unto them eternal life. If it can be lost, it's not eternal life. And if that's not enough for you to believe, he says, and they shall never perish. If that is not true, the Lord Jesus is not telling the truth, and that's not possible. He is truth. He said, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. No man shall pluck them out of my Father's hand. Go read in Romans chapter 8. The first verse, there is now, therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. None. Romans 8.33 will tell you that there's no accusing you. There's no accusation against you as a child of God. At the end of the chapter, Paul says there's no separation. He said there is nothing that will separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. 
you are saved, you are always saved. I say that to make this point. Bear with me, so this gets a little touchy as we go through this. Do we go hard shell with this? Can you go hard shell against apostasy with this? Let me, get, let me set it up what, what I'm trying to say. When I was a young man, young teenager, 12, 13 years old, I heard our pastor at the church that my daddy was taken to. My daddy made me go to church. Thank you, my Lord, for a daddy that made me go to church. I heard the preacher preaching the tulip doctrine. Hold on gravity. Unconditional election. Limited atonement. Irresistible grace. Perseverance. Preservation of the saints. In my young, unsaved, 13, 12, 13-year-old 13 mind, I said to myself, well, if I'm elect, I'll be saved, and there's nothing I can do about it. If I'm not elect, I'll never be saved, and there's nothing I can do about it, so why should I worry about it? I promise you God will break that spirit in you if you, that's your, your way of thinking. So do we do the same thing with apostasy? Do we say, I'm saved, I don't have it to worry about? That's hardship. You go hard shell against apostasy like that, I'm saved. I don't have it to worry about. When you do that, you fly in the face of some other scriptures. You really do. And so let me go with that. Examine yourselves. The second letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, chapter 13 and verse 5, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith Prove your own selves, know not ye your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobate. How does this happen? How does this happen? He says in 2 Peter, Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. If you do these things, you shall never fall. In Hebrews, we're told, Paul wrote to them, the Jewish Christians, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily. There's your answer. One another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we were made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. It's that thing about continuing. Holding on to that confidence. I'm not saying that salvation is of ourselves. That's not what I'm saying at all. Hopefully this will become more clearly clear as we go through it. You read in Hebrews chapter 10. He says in verse 24, let us. Verse 23, I'm sorry, chapter 10. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Then in 25, he says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That's where it begins. That word forsaking, that's where it begins. So you still wonder, am I a child of God? Am I backsliding? Or am I in a state of apostasy? Are you comfortable with your walk with the Lord? Are you comfortable with walking with the Lord now? Do you feel okay that things are fine? A little story. Years ago, we went to Washington, D.C. Um, I was with a group of pastors. We were going up to have policy briefings in the White House, trying to get them to do something against this abortion issue. That's another story. 
But one morning at, at, at one of the uh, devotional, prayer devotionals, a man stood up and he told a story, and I thought it was very telling. He told a story of an old man, like many of us in here, a little gray on the head. In the middle of the night, you've got to get up and go down the hallway to the little room. Well, he'd get up and he'd turn on the light, and he'd go in and do what he had to do, and he'd come back. After a while, his wife started complaining, you're waking me up turning on that light. Well, I'll do something else. He put a nice night light in there. He started complaining, I can't sleep with the light on in the room. He tried going in without the light, but his toes didn't like that. So one night he woke up and he sat on the side of the bed and he said he sat there a while and he said it suddenly came to him, the answer. As he sat there in the darkness, he could begin to see. My question to you is, have we sat in the darkness so long that we're comfortable with the little bit of light that we have? Are we afraid to turn on a light because we will disturb someone close to us and make them uncomfortable? Is that how we're living now in the days of apostasy? Because you see it all around you. When we think about apostasy, it's not so much the world that's turning away. It's, it's the people that have made a profession of faith that, that are falling away from the truth. That's what the apostasy is. When we look at it, so the question is, are you comfortable with where you are in your walk with the Lord? That chapter 10 of Hebrews and verse 26 there, this begins, he says here in 24, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Most people don't keep reading. I tell my congregation, keep reading. Verse 26, he says, for if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, and there's many people that say, oh, if I sin after I'm saved, I'm unsaved again. That's not what that's saying. Keep reading. He explains over there what he's talking about. He's talking about apostasy. He's talking about falling away. Those that are treading underfoot their profession of faith. Let me not get ahead of myself. So if apostasy only applies to those who are the professors of salvation and not the possessors of salvation, why should it concern us? Why should we be worried about it? They're not going to be saved anyway, right? Why should it bother us? And how do we make our calling and election sure? Paul wrote to Timothy in his second letter in chapter 2 and verse 19. He said, the foundation of God standeth sure having this seal. The Lord knows them that are his. God knows every one of his elect. I can't tell you how many of you in this room are saved or not. I have no idea. But I'm told to make my calling, my election sure. To make sure that I am in the faith. To make sure that I am what I proclaim to be. So how can I know that I'm saved? Paul wrote to the church at Rome, chapter 8, and verse 16. The Spirit of the Lord tells our spirit that we're children of God. But how is that happening? How do you know? Lord Jesus said, by their fruits, you would know them. Do you have the fruit of the Spirit in you? I believe that the Spirit of the Lord will move in you to will and to do and to work what God commands of you. We love to read Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9. You can say it with me. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Keep reading. 
We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That's how you stay out of the danger of apostasy. I'm telling you, if you're truly saved, you're not going to apostasy. But you can still fall into some bad cases of backsliding. Do you want to do that as a Christian? Absolutely not. There was a young lady that I used to work with. She was a head custodian. I used to work for a school district, and my job was to do maintenance at various schools. We had 37, when I, 37 schools when I started and like 45 when I quit. My job was to go to these schools all the time during the day and do maintenance work. Sometimes you'd visit the school several times a month and maybe even several times a week if you had a, an ongoing issue. I'd see this young lady. She talked to me. We talked a little bit, and she claimed to be a, 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 a Christian lady. And she had been divorced some years before. And then one day she's telling me about this boyfriend that she has. She likes this boyfriend. She really likes him. I go see her. The more she talks about him, the more she starts gushing about him. How much she likes this guy. This is the one. We're going to be married. We're not married yet. We're going to be married. And I looked at him one day and I said, are you going there? She said, what? I said, you know what I mean. Are you going there? She said to me, God knows I have needs. I said, you're telling me he changed the rules for you. She said, I'm going to know what I'm getting before I get married. I said, so you're sure that he changed the rules for you? And she looked at me and I said, look, you're making a profession of faith, but you're admitting to me that you're openly living in sin. I said, it don't work like that. I said, so God sent a man warn you and she looked at me and kind of sneered of course we were friends I don't know how she meant it but she kind of sneered and said you a man of God I said well not much maybe I said but you have been warned that's the point that yeah you got you got it you got to tell it these are the kind of things that we run into with when you see people making a profession and just trampling all over it So people will say, well, I believe. Well, I'm going to say that belief isn't always salvation. You would say to me, well, preacher, the scripture says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And it does. But it also says the devils believe and they tremble. Belief isn't always salvation. Go with me to, 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 to the Gospel of John in chapter 8. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, in studying this, I... I looked at some, some, some comments from some other people. I see people stumbling over themselves at what, is, what I believe is clearly taught here. Look in, in, well, we probably need to back up verse 28 there. The Lord Jesus said unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things, and he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Many believed on him. If you keep reading this story, you will find out they believed, but they weren't with him. Some of the people I said, well, he was said, said that later when he said, you're of your father the devil, because they tried to appeal. Abraham's our father. We are all right. That don't count. Your family heritage don't count. We have God to our father. He said, no, you don't. I came, proceeding came forth from God. If you were of God, you would love me, but you don't. You're trying to kill me. 
Later, they said, called him a Samaritan, said, you have a devil. Later, they picked up stones to throw at him. That belief that they said they had, they didn't have. Some say, well, these were different Jews, but it says in verse 31 very plainly, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If the Son makes you free, there's your answer. But he said here, if you continue in my word, and that's what I'm talking about, continuance, continuance. We have a lady that comes to our church with her daughter, and for some reason her daughter likes to come every other week. She won't come every week. And I kind of pressed them about it, and her mom said, if you press her, she may not come at all. So I left it alone thinking, I'd rather have you every other week than not at all. But my question is, they, and they make professions of faith, and I believe her mother very much is a saved woman, but her I'm not so certain about. And I've said to them, where else would you want to be on the Lord's Day? Where else would you want to be in the house of God? But I think that that's where the apostasy starts. You say, well, I don't have a little time for church right now. I don't pray as often as I should. I, there's a guy that comes to the airport all the time. I see him, and I ask him, you know, do, do, do you go to church? I ain't been to church in 20 years. He'll tell you he's saved, though. When's the last time you read the Bible? Oh, man, I read that years ago. I know what's in there. Now this, I, And I'm serious. And, and I have really pleaded with this guy. And one day he looked at me and he goes, I know you don't think I'm saved. I said, what I think don't matter. It's what God knows. You're making a profession of faith and walking all over. I said, look, I said, and, and the words that come out of his mouth, sometimes I said, you profess to be a Christian. You go out there and people see that. I said, you're doing more damage than you can imagine. You say that God is your, is your Savior. I need to move along here for, for the reasons of time. But here's the thing. The Lord, when he came, Mark records it in his gospel, chapter 1 and verse 15. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent ye. We're not preaching repentance. They're not preaching repentance. Much people are not preaching repentance anymore. What happened to that? What happened to sorrow for sin? What happened to mourning before God, realizing your just desert, realizing that I am a sinner and that the only help for me is in Jesus Christ? The only help for me is that cross. Lord, is that applied to me? That's what I meant by that song. Lord, when I see that, and I love that, Brother Tommy a minute ago, I love the fact that he was emphatic. When God came to save me, he wasn't asking me nothing. He wasn't making no deal. He wasn't. I was, I was slam drunk. I'd been drunk for 20 years. I hadn't been to church in a long time. I was home in my studio writing songs I thought worldly music and suddenly he drove me right in, into the, the vocal booth on my knees praying and it was some days later when I finally started to get it and went to see the preacher and I said man what's going on I thought I was having DTs the spirit I know I'm telling the spirit of God is powerful he is powerful and I'm telling you and I write in that song that I that that I was afraid I was afraid when I told my wife, I think God is, is calling me, she looked at me like I was lost my mind. But I understood. I understood he wasn't asking any questions. Anyway, I need to move on and get to this, this part that I want to get to here. Repentance and faith were preached by the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, Acts 3.19, Paul, Acts 20.21. They preach repentance. Repent and believe the gospel. Everyone has 
hit on this, and I think it's good. Someone says, what is the gospel? 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 3 and 4. Paul spells it out, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and rose again according to the scriptures. That is it. Now, there's a lot of beauty around that, but the fact that he died for sinners. So here's what I want to get to in closing. If you're saved, you say, well, apostasy don't really affect me. I think you're wrong. Apostasy will affect you. You say, I'm saved. Well, what effect will it have on me? I think that strength, your strength, is renewed by us gathering together. But when a strong one falls, or one that you perceived was a strong one, when you see someone that you really believe is a man of God, Suddenly, he falls away into apostasy. Think of Zechariah eleven twelve that says, Howl for a tree, for the cedar is falling. When you see a mighty one fall, you say to yourself, Little me don't have a chance. God don't work by chance. But I think that apostasy will affect your strength and your standing. I think it will affect your faith. I think it will challenge you when you see others fail. To him hold the fort. The second verse says, See the mighty host advancing, Satan leading on. Mighty men around us falling, courage almost gone. You see others falling away. It tends to strip you of your courage and your zeal and your bravery to go out and go forth. That's why I commend my brother here for going to, into that market most days by himself. I don't have what he has to do that, I've got to admit. I think also that bewilderment will set in. I think that... We will get to a point where we see others falling away that we will begin to question our own salvation. We shouldn't. But I think it could very possibly happen. When we start to see mighty men around us falling, those that we really believed and thought were saved and were men of God, turning away, falling into apostasy. This apostasy, as Paul described it, is trotting underfoot the Son of God, the blood of the covenant, counting all of that as unholy. I think truth will be distorted and the path will be strewn with stumbling blocks. I think that this is what the Lord Jesus was telling us in the measure of the, uh, 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 of the, the leaven in the three meal, uh, the, 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 the leaven put in the three measures of meal so the whole was leaven. That as time goes on, the gospel as it's going out is being corrupted. It's being corrupted. There is no other gospel. There's one gospel. If somebody gives you another gospel, it's not another gospel. It's a corruption of the first gospel. I will tell you this, and this is something that is personal to me. I hope I don't offend nobody by saying this. But in studying church histories and what the early church fathers taught, I find in the last 150 to 200 years that a lot of things that are now being taught and believed by some Baptists actually came from Pentecostals, and it's poison. It's poison in, in the teachings that we're hearing now. And we need to be very, very careful. I was thankful that Brother Wayne called me, and he said he was sending out a questionnaire. He said, I'd like to send it to you, too. I'm like, send it, brother. I'm not afraid of what I believe. I'm not afraid of what the Lord has taught me. And last, I think that suspicion will enter our hearts as this apostasy grows, because I think we'll start to question the motives of our brethren, and even those that we believe are true, we'll be maybe a little bit hesitant or afraid or suspicious to glom on with them to what they're doing, thinking, well, he could fall away too. You've got to be careful of these things. The suspicion. The other thing, and I was so glad to hear of this young man back here, 
being saved last year? Praise God. Praise God. There's a man saved. But do you hear of true conversions much anymore? No, you don't. And I think that even when apostasy comes, we will be maybe as pastors, we bring people in, we examine them when they come in. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we'll be more hesitant to believe their testimony because of the apostasy. Maybe it will put a damper on that. The Lord Jesus asked a question in Luke 18, 8, when he said, When the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? The better translation is, will he find the faith on the earth? Will he find the faith that was once delivered to the saints when he comes? I used to think, well, yeah. Now I wonder. I really do. I wonder about myself and all of the rest of it. Will we really? So in real closing, I want to read this to you. In Hebrews 10, 28, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment, suppose ye shall be, he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despite to the Spirit and grace. Let me ask you this question. What could be worse than dying without mercy? He that despised Moses' law died without mercy. What could be worse than dying without mercy? I'll tell you what would be worse than dying without mercy. Dying with mercy. What did you say, preacher? Dying with mercy. Dying with mercy and grace. Accusing you of trotting them under your feet. Of you insulting them. Disparaging them. Calling it an unholy thing. And saying, I have no use for this. Dying with mercy and grace as a witness against you, calling for vengeance against you because of what you have done to the mercy and the grace of God. It's better to die without mercy than for you to have forsaken mercy when it was given to you, set before you. And God says, here is the answer. Look at the cross. Look at my son. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save sinners. You say, I don't want none of that. You die without mercy, you die forsaking mercy. You die forsaking mercy. It says here, they, those that died under Moses' law, under two or three witnesses, two witnesses, grace and mercy would witness against you. Three witnesses, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit would witness against you. If you have trodden underfoot the Son of God and counted the precious blood of Christ as an unholy and, an, and something unworthy of you. And the point being made is there is no other offering. There is no other sacrifice. You forsake Christ. You have no other hope. There is no other. But there need be no other. So right at the end of this chapter, and we'll close with this. For yet a little while, verse 37, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. I want to believe that of every person in this church, that we are not of those who draw back unto perdition. In closing, I must say this. 
If there's someone in this building this morning and you are not certain about your standing with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you feel like you've backslidden, the distance between you, you and God, or you don't feel that you're saved, or you have questions about it, talk to me, talk to any of these ministers in here. Talk to a man of God. I'll pray with you. I'll pray for you. I will do anything that the Spirit of the Lord will give to me to help you along your way. But do not let this thing go if you have questions about it. Make your calling and your election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. May God bless this to you this morning as you consider it. And thank you for your good attention to what we have given. Thank you so much.